Welcome back to On the Mic with Mike Peters. My guest this week is Matthew Snover, who's been doing stand-up in New York City for like seven years. He grew up in Binghamton, and we actually met at an open mic I host. And I'll be damned, he comes back. It's weird. He's the only comedian who gets me Taco Bell gift cards. So if you want to come on this podcast, now you know the secret knock. I'm not that difficult. Snover's a funny guy. He runs a twice-monthly comedy show with the guys in Mayhem Comedy, Inc. at the Brooklyn Music Kitchen. So if you're in the city, go check it out. Please like, share, review, and subscribe to this podcast. If you like what you hear, sign up for the Patreon. It's only 5 bucks a month. You can also follow Homebrewed Comedy on Facebook or go to homebrewedcomedy.com to see all of my dates. Thanks again. I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care. Peeling back my sunburnt skin I'll wait outside your bedroom I, I hope they let me in Alright, I guess I should pretend to be nice to you now. Thank you so much for doing this. Pretend, yeah. <laughs> I gotta thank you, man. I Honestly, uh, uh-huh. uh, you are the only comedian to come to the open mic I run and then every year, give me a $25 gift card to Taco Bell. I know, right? It's kind of tradition now. It's at this point, like, that, that's what we do. It's like a, a podcast plugola. Yes. It's like, how do I get on there? Oh, I know what I can do. Like, I don't know if it's plugola or payola. It's been going to give some free, some free to Taco Bell. We're going to plug yeah, Taco Bell a little it's bit. It's been a long time since I took communication law. I mean, they need it. They need it. You know what I mean? They, they, they need people in there. They need the business. Yeah, they do. They, yeah. they could use the Mike Peters bump. Oh, that is a big bump too. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but no, thank you so much. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, why do you keep coming back to Binghamton? You're in New York City. Why do you keep coming back to Binghamton? Because mom and dad live in Enwell. That's why. <laughs> oh, okay. That is why. <laughs> that's why I came back. I mean, I come back for the speedy. No, it's mom and dad. That yeah. That's why. How long have you been in the city? Uh, I moved, So I went to college down there. I graduated in 2002. You graduated? Yeah, uh, but I graduated. Uh, uh, you said that like puzzling. Yes. Yes, I graduated high school. <laughs> Only took me seven years. No, I did. I did <laughs> the right, four Tommy. years, and then um, oh, nice doing the Tommy Boy reference. Why not? So it's my senior year was nine eleven, right? Yeah. So yeah, two thousand and one, and then I ended up the next year. I go to college at Marymount Manhattan, which is the generic Juilliard. If you weren't good enough to get into Juilliard, you went to Marymount Manhattan. And so I've lived in the city since 2002. So it's been 20 fucking years. What were you there to study? Theater. Theater. Yeah. Which is a huge fucking mistake. And I would never encourage anybody to do it. So you're saying you were a cool kid in high school. Yeah, dude. You see, I, I tell people, dude, it, I was one of the like the early people to stop playing sports and start doing acting. And this is before Glee. So it was like a big <laughs> deal. Now it's like only the cool kids do. Th- now you're not cool unless you do theater. I never did any theater. I mm-hmm. When I was in college, I went to school for like mass communication. So I uh-huh. have a dual emphasis in journalism and broadcasting. And I worked. In the newspaper, radio, and TV. Yeah, you had a legit major, something you yeah. can actually do something with. Yeah, for like, you know, seven bucks an hour. But <laughs> still, it's, yeah, it's better than a fucking theater degree. Right, right. But like, the one thing I didn't do was like, well, there's public relations. I did mm-hmm. very little of that, mm-hmm. which, you know, I could have used it. And theater, which obviously I'm doing stand up now. Yeah. That probably would have helped. That's the only thing I do, I will credit theater with is. 
I remember when I first started doing stand up, and still I'll see some comics that have amazing joke writing ability, but the stage presence just isn't there. So when I started out, because I had that training, it's I was I naturally felt comfortable on stage. Well, that's what I usually mm-hmm. notice, especially at like an open mic where I'm hosting. Mm-hmm. I will see somebody I, you know never heard of this guy before, mm-hmm. and he's got great stage presence. I'm yeah. Like, oh, that guy did theater. Yeah. Like you can tell. Mm-hmm. So it definitely benefited you. Uh, definitely. Even though now, like when I when I do do open mics and I see like actors come in to try to do stand up because they think it's another way for them to get seen, I freaking hate it. <laughs> Most of them realize that it's not for them anyway. You're like, yeah, the only time you say anything intelligent is if somebody writes it for you. I wish sometimes somebody could write something intelligent that I can say, but no, I'm left to my own devices. Uh, you know what? Give me. I'll sit and I'll come up with some stuff. No, and we'll I, see I if want we can somebody it out. good. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's the hang up. All right. <laughs> well, how long have you been doing stand up? Uh, let's see. I, it's going to be seven years this October. But I mean, for the first couple of years doing it, it's I wasn't really doing it right, and I was kind of off and on. You know, would do like a a bringer show once every two months or something like that. Didn't know about open mics, so it's I've really only been doing it the way i should have been doing it for like the last like four years okay even though it's seven years total that's funny Mm -hmm. like a lot of people i do talk to they do a contest Uh and then a couple of them said then i waited for them to call me to do something again Uh uh-huh and it doesn't work that way it's like no like there's an open mic and obviously they figure Mm -hmm. it out but it's like Oh, yeah, that phone call's never going to It's not going to happen. No. You got to get out there and do your own thing. Well, it's like me finally starting to produce the shows this year. That's another thing, too, is like making your own opportunities. I would think yeah. that's easier in New York City mm-hmm. than it would be in upstate New York. And I could be wrong because there, there's a Maybe. finite amount of bars and, and whatever down yeah. there. But like – there's a lot more than there are. At the same time, too, though, like on any given night, like ours is on Wednesday, there's probably like – six other shows at that exact same time that people could go to. That's very true. Mm-hmm. I was very impressed. <laughs> Not it has nothing to do with you. But whenever I see like a, a bar show in New York City promoted, uh-huh. and I'm like, wow, like there are some big names. Like Matthew Broussard's on that. Like mm-hmm. how how how'd they get him? And it's like, oh yeah, they're all looking for longer sets in stage time. Do you think it's yeah. easier to get that, you know, level of talent? On just any show in New York City, then it is just because they're they're looking to just to work stuff out. Yeah. I would think that like because you just you just had Sean Patton. Yeah, he did our our first show, our first disastrous show, but it was still <laughs> you know. It was, well, what about the show was disastrous? Well, he so we decided um, you know in our infinite wisdom, let's do it Tuesday at six o'clock. Right. right. Needless to say, it was poorly attended. It was pretty much just comics and then the wait staff, and so. He, we're getting towards the end of the show. It's like 820 or something like that. And we didn't know if he was going to show up. He shows up, goes on stage, consummate professional, and the lights turn off on him when he's on that stage. And then he's like, this is your first show, right? Like, yeah. He's like, all right, just rolled with it. And then, you know, just uh, it was it was great, man. It was how'd, it was incredible. How the lights turn off? Like did somebody just I was them or they were just automated? work some technical issue. Guys were working on them and they clicked off briefly and then clicked back on. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So, but you're doing that show. It's now Wednesday, right? It's now Wednesdays at eight o'clock, and it is much better. Yeah, we have been having great success uh, packing the room. Which room is it? It's the Brooklyn Music Kitchen. 
Who have you had there? Uh, so we well, we've had Nathan Orton uh, headlined. We had uh, Matt Ruby do one of our shows. We just had uh, I I should know the well. My buddy Rio Hayashi did his first headlining set there. Some of the names I'm blanking on right now, and that's because I drank a lot last night. So maybe I can maybe they will come to me. Uh, the, further on in this podcast. I think one of the first times I met you, and mm-hmm. this is your reputation. I yeah. don't know if you know this, but one of the first times I met you, you did the open mic mm-hmm. at Kelly's probably. Yeah. And you had a good set. Everybody finished. And you came around with, with shots for people. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Like, so whenever I see you, I'm like, oh, shit. I don't want to drink liquor. So like I just I already have I'm like no no man I know and you're always very generous and we always mm-hmm. appreciate it but it's like dude you don't need to buy me a beer you don't buy in fact you didn't buy me a beer yesterday you gave me the Taco Bell gift card yeah got it I figured got it. I mean I just like you know I I have a decent job decent union job don't have a wife don't have kids so when you come up here too drink prices are so much cheaper than yeah. the city so it's just fun to be like hey man come you know have a have a beer on the snow. <laughs> you know do you call yourself the snow no okay <laughs> oh. good mm-hmm. the only nickname that i have ever liked myself i mean i've had a lot of nicknames mm-hmm. like when i was in little league they called me mp mp yeah because they're fucking... that's kind of cool though i never At thought the time, about that i thought it was lazy you didn't like me enough to create a nickname i like that man my initials and that's the thing you can't give yourself a nickname oh dude. yeah people got to give it to but you but i did i did give myself a nickname. oh you it's did the only one i like yeah it's oh you stupid. had the balls to do that yeah. wow i did mm-hmm. it as a joke Okay. Do you remember the uh, the ESPN commercials with uh, Michael Malley? Yes, I do. The yeah. Rick. Uh-huh. It's like, hi, my name's Rick. My friends call me The Rick. <laughs> I loved that commercial so much. And, uh, and See, I when I hear Michael Malley, I just think of Guts. Guts! Mm-hmm. Check out the leaderboard, Mo! Mm-hmm. And then I'm a huge Boy Meets World fan. So when oh, okay. Corey joined the wrestling team, he said, I'm Corey, the Corey Matthews. <laughs> so I decided to name myself. I Mike, think that's the, the Mike. funniest moment that boy in Boy Meets World's history. <laughs> so good. But Mike, the Mike Peters. Oh, God. So it's yeah. like, yeah. And it's completely a joke. But I, I will always reference those two. See, people just called me by my last name. That's yeah. how you know my. It's, it's not a bad name. It's like Snover. Yeah, yeah. And I get Peters all the time, which is, is you know, a little more. Uh, See, now I was also graphic. thinking, too, if, um, you know, if I, I actually find a certain amount of success, there are a lot of mats in comedy. And sometimes if you have to register with like whatever SAG or whatever, somebody. So my middle name is Frank. And I was like, if I had to register and do something new, I wouldn't mind going by Frank Snover. In fact, uh, my my buddy's a comedian in the city, Denim Demac. He will introduce me sometimes as keep it going for my friend Frank Snover. Does that throw anybody off? Uh, not really, because he doesn't do it that often. Okay. Yeah. One of the first times I went to, you probably don't remember this place at all. Mm-hmm. It's Spotlight. It's a bar in Binghamton. Okay. And the host was black, and I guess it was I guess it was considered a black room. Mm-hmm. She's running the open mic, uh, this woman named uh, Charisma Wise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I go in there and I sign up and she's got the pen. She's like, yeah, what's your name? I go, I was, Mike Peters. And she looks at me like cross-eyed. She goes, you want to go with that? I'm like, yeah, it's like, my, it's well, it's my, my name. given name. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's kind of worked for me all these years. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, yeah, that was the first time I was like, oh, 
I could have gone as my a name stage or, name. It didn't matter. I've heard fucking ridiculous stage names that people go by sometimes. It's the kind of thing though where you hear somebody uh, at an open mic with a ridiculous stage name, and you're like, I can already tell this person is not going to be funny. <laughs> I always love uh, the kings of comedy, like anybody who's mm-hmm. a comedy royalty. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this guy's gonna suck. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. I, I worked with a guy long time ago. Only I think I only worked with him once. And I think he'd been doing comedy t- for 10 months and already called himself the comedy king. Oh, okay. Uh, he wasn't. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I And I didn't I did not book him for that. Do you think the comedy king is still at it or do you think he retired from the crown? I think he retired. Okay. Yeah. He might be back at it now, but I think, you know, with the uh, pandemic, I, he wasn't very active it, anyway. It, I always noticed this. So new after New Year's Eve, yeah. you get a ton of people that come back to open mics because they're like... It's either their New Year's resolution to try comedy for the first time or they're like, oh, I haven't really done a lot of mics this year. I'm going to try to get back into yeah. it. And it's like you see them throughout the spring off and on. But then as soon as summer starts, they're like, oh, it's nice weather outside. I don't want to go. I can't do comedy right now. I'd be curious to see the amount of people mm-hmm. whose New Year's resolution is to stop doing comedy. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people that should be their <laughs> New Year's resolution. Do you think you're comedy uh your thirst for it would be different if you'd started in binghamton or another town or do you think new york kind of like uh whip you into shape a little faster i think i think new york definitely whipped me into shape a little bit faster and it was just the the opportunity of being able to do it so much i do like leaving new york occasionally just to you know get a different viewpoint and you realize hey man there's people all over the country that are just as hilarious as the people in new york people definitely have a little bit of an ego down there and a lot of it sometimes isn't really earned yet and like i've met so many funny people uh up here just doing shows with you like when i did the subterranean show meeting rj mccarthy and abdul and then uh, like people that just are really hilarious and could go toe-to-toe with even like the funniest people down there i do think like uh, a lot of people mm-hmm. in the upstate area they don't realize that like, yeah they, they haven't been exposed to people down in the city or how the city works well i remember the first time i came to your mic seth ruddick comes up to me and i was like oh hey i'm here to sign up it was like, I live in New York, do down there. And Seth's like, ah, oh, man, you, you can go first. You're probably funnier than me. I'm like, man, I just met you. You you don't know. Like, you have no idea. Yeah, but then you met Seth and you're like, oh, yeah, everybody's <laughs> yeah. funnier than him. I hope I'm not breathing too loudly into the microphone. No, I did I, like a big inhale. No, you're fine. Just I mean, the Red Bull. I, I I drank the full 12 ounce right now. So I, I've never had really a, flying. I think. No, I don't think I've ever had a taste of Red Bull. Really? I don't believe so. I think I had like a knockoff in like, like the drink is called like a 180. Mm-hmm. It was like, I don't know if it's vodka and the, the knockoff. Well, you should jump like right in. You should start immediately with the Jaeger bomb, the Red Bull and Jaeger. No. Just go right in. No. Don't dip your toe in, dive right in. No, no, I will never, <laughs> I'll never have Jaeger. My 21st birthday uh-huh. is in Mansfield and uh, I had, I said, I have two rules, no Jaeger and no New Jersey Turnpikes. Oh, okay. Do you remember what a turnpike is? No. Essentially, it's like you're taking a little bit of everything and putting it in one shot glass. Oh, okay. And I guess like if you want to be a small version of a Long Island iced tea. Yeah. yeah. If you want to be an asshole, you ring out the bar rag oh, on the top of it. Yeah. So okay. Uh, and then now I now it's coming back to me. So like, I'm probably like an hour into the festivities, 
And my buddy who came in late from class, mm -hmm. my buddy Bill, comes down and he's carrying two shots of Jaeger. And he goes, who wants Jaeger? And I was like, ah, oh, son of a bitch. And I had one because, hey, it was a nice guy. So I'm like trashed, completely gone. And I'm like, I, I've had like, I don't know, like 12, 13 drinks plus mm -hmm. like two uh, or maybe including. But Bill and I split two pitchers of like Miller Lite, I think. Mm -hmm. I'm like hanging on by a thread. And some asshole comes over and he goes, hey, uh, I bought you a strawberry shortcake. And I gave him some shot or whatever. I drank it and he goes, that's a turnpike. Oh. oh. Dude, I walked across the street from the bar and got into a Dunkin' Donuts. And I, I was ordering something or my friends were. And I got myself into the bathroom, locked the door, threw up in the bathroom, passed out. Oh, they wow. They couldn't open the door. And my friends had to go across the street, get my buddy Bill, who was hitting on a woman. And they're like, Bill, we need your help. And he goes, oh, fuck. And he goes over and like gets the manager to unlock I, the door. I feel like that's the right outcome from drinking a New Jersey turnpike yes. is puking and passing yes. out in a Dunkin' Donuts bathroom. Yeah, locked in. Yeah, mm -hmm. of course. So he had to, he mopped everything up. Yeah. And we walked or they walked me home and he put, uh, he wrote on my arm like his phone number time. It was 2000 and. Uh, four, I guess. Oh, yeah. And then mm. he wrote to my girlfriend. He goes, yeah, um, on, on AIM. That's how old the story is. <laughs> what was your screen name on AIM? NYM83311GD. So here was my screen name. My screen name was I am Tom Cruise 45. You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> Did it work on anybody? Uh, I No. Oh, okay. But yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's a dope screen name, though. You know what I mean? Oh, it's way better than mine. Yeah, Mine's yeah. just my favorite baseball team and, okay. and yeah. uh, a couple of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. So that's it. And when I was born. Mm -hmm. So, and, uh, but no, that's so no Jaeger for me. I would okay. never have that. I don't mind tequila. Uh, You're not I, missing out too much with Jaeger, man. It's, I don't even like it, people, especially that want to do shots of Jaeger in the summer. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, dude? No one should be drinking this if it's above 70 degrees outside. Yeah. I'll, yeah. People will offer to buy me shots, and sometimes I'll take them. Mm. But like, I I don't know what the liquors are. Oh, like, okay. I'm just really a beer guy. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah. I mean, a fireball, and I don't even know if that's a manly shot. But I'm like, whatever. The worst is the if somebody springs a shot on you, and it's one of the really high proof stuff, like yeah. a 151 or like an Everclear, and you take it, and you're like, oh. Well, I've definitely yeah. had a lot of shots in my life. I just mm. don't. I don't remember that. I'm like, I remember doing a three Wiseman mm -hmm. shot, or I think that's, is that one, or do you t have take all three? I actually don't know. Yeah, I, th I think, I don't know, but I've, I've had, I've had a lot, uh -huh. but like not in years. And like, yeah, I remember, I, I remember Southern Comfort being really tough to do for me. Okay. Um, so Jameson, I love Jameson mm -hmm. when I was like 19 or 20 and I've had it recently. Not a fan. I'm. Just don't drink liquor anymore. Hey, so Jameson's is really a good harsh. shot whiskey, but it's, you know, I've definitely graduated more towards the like, pour like a nice scotch and sip it kind of thing. Well, you're, you know, you're 37, right? You're 38. You're 38? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I caught it to me. I'm, I'm going to be 39 in, mm -hmm. in February. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's tough. Like, I, I just, I want to go back sometimes and be like, okay, well, I want to drink exactly what I could drink like, mm -hmm. you know. 15 years ago. But I'm, I yeah, barely drink anymore. At the same time, too, though, I'm like, you you were such an idiot and you made so many dumb decisions. You didn't even I know did me it. and you know I'm an idiot. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> no, I was dumb. 
really dumb. I mean, I lock myself in a Dunkin' Donuts bathroom dumb. Yeah. I mean, see, I enjoy being in my late 30s now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you... I'm uh, like, I'm making money. Like, I know what I want to do. I just, these people that have this like nostalgia and this reverence for their high school in early 20s years, I'm like, oh, you pe- you peaked young. Like, I hate, I'm so much more happy now than I ever was back then, especially too, like, you know, being in high school and early college years. I was just so, I had no idea what was going on. I wonder if that's, in part because you graduated high school and moved to the city. Yeah. And you pretty much stayed there. Yes. So like you're not like, mm-hmm. like I'm back in my hometown, but I was away for like 12 years. Yeah. So like, I think there's a difference. Like, like, like I know my brother is socially stunted uh-huh. in part because he still lives. Does in he Hawaii. listen to this? No, fuck. Oh, no. uh, okay. No, uh. my family does not support anything I do. So <laughs> I can trash them all day, every day. I mean, that. but that's good. That's what real creative freedom comes from. It's boring when your <laughs> parents, when your parents, <laughs> you know, support every decision you make. Oh, yours? Yeah. I pretty much. Yeah. Oh man, that, I'm yeah. sorry. I know, right? Doesn't that suck? It Nothing suck stifles to- creativity more than supportive parents. <laughs> it must suck to have all the support in the world. There should be a, a yeah. You a want that group? You know that catharsis of being like they don't support me. You guys don't believe in my dreams. Yeah, I've got jokes about it, but yeah, I told my parents I was a new comedy. And they mm-hmm. were not happy, and they're both musicians. Mm-hmm. Like they both play in churches in ensembles <laughs> for money. And I'm like, if anybody can understand, understand, it's you guys. And they don't. They're like, mm-hmm. no. And I think really they just don't believe in me, which uh-huh. is fun. <laughs> It's not, it's, but it's like, oh, I, I get it. So uh, it's that push, though. It's that fuel. <laughs> my yeah. mom, we were, I think we were hanging out at like, mm. like the, yeah, it must have been last week, like right after New Year's. And she goes, yeah, we were at Katrina's craft fair all day. And is I'm that like, your sister? Yeah. Okay. My sister started entering like craft fairs. Like okay. she does a lot of stuff for Etsy and she, she's very good at like sewing all this garbage. Like have like, a table with a bunch of yeah, trinkets and, and stuff like that. And my mom and dad drove to Green, which is like 40 minutes from here, and watched my sister at a craft fair. When they haven't come to any of your shows. And they She's 44. Just, yeah. Oh, wow. She doesn't need the support. Uh-huh. And I'm like, yeah, my free show in Endicott was Saturday. Maybe it means think they went. That I don't think subconsciously so. they could think that you are going to succeed and you don't need that encouragement that maybe she's the one that really needs that. Yeah, that's a good thought. Mm-hmm. It's wrong. But that's a good thought. But I'll, no. I'll have to get your sister to hook me up with a nice charm bracelet or something yeah, she'll like do that. that. Okay. Yeah. As long as you pay for it, she'll she'll do it. Okay. You're an only child, right? No, technically I'm um I have a half sister. Uh that my father had out of wedlock well before he met my mom. Nice. So for years, when her mother was alive, she didn't really want any contact with my father. And she passed away, I don't know how long ago. And as soon as she did, Lisa and my dad got in contact. And now we're very close. That's, like, I-, I love my nephew. I love my sister. I love my brother-in-law. And it's in- But it was very interesting to be in, like, I think it was my late 20s, like 27. And then dad to say, hey, do you remember me telling you about a daughter that I had? I'm like, no. <laughs> But you, growing up, you for, told me while I was in the crib. For growing up, for all intents and purposes, I was an only child, and only child sin, like syndrome is definitely a thing. Yeah, because you you know you always 
want like you always get attention and everything and we're very needy and stuff like that it's but i was so jealous too of friends that had siblings Be, uh, just because anytime i go on vacation i'm like it's me and my mom and dad yeah and my parents are old enough that uh like dad is 81 that there's shit, enough is that old mm-hmm. wow well my sister i think well i don't want to say her age but she's uh she's North of 45, we'll say that. But it they're old enough where it's like they were parents growing up. That was just like new thing now where parents are like, I'm best friends with my kid. And it's like it wasn't like that when I like we didn't have stuff in common. So when I was just with them, it was you know annoying for me. I'm like, I I need somebody around that's my own age, even if I would would be fighting with them constantly. So your dad was born in 1940. Uh, I think 40, yeah, yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. I mean, my dad's born in, in 48, so mm-hmm. like, there's not a whole lot of difference, but yeah, 81 to 74, it just sounds like like you're a year younger than me. Yeah. And I would think, okay, well, if you were the fourth of four, I could see 81. Yeah. yeah. You know, it just, man, he got a, he got a late start with you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so my sisters, they, yeah, he had her a long time ago. So what was that like, just meeting your sister? As a as a twenty something year old. Well, when I first when I first met her too, you're trying to look for resemblances, and I'm like I don't really see it. And then when we start talking, you realize we have a lot of the same neuroses. You're like, oh hell yeah, like you're def- <laughs> you're a Snover hundred percent. You know whose fault that is. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know exactly where it comes from. Oh, that's funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think no, it was. <laughs> so, what got you into comedy? Why? I mean, because you didn't. You must have started at thirty. Uh, well, it's the first time I ever did an open mic, though, I was 28. Okay, okay. But it was like, so I did uh, the first open mic I ever did, uh, Stand Up NY on the Upper West Side, showed up, did uh, a bunch of jokes where I was definitely that thing where I'm like, I'm going to try to be as edgy as I can, yeah. and uh, did my, uh, I remember specifically, I did my vampire period blood joke. I was like... Why don't vampires just drink period blood? You'd think it'd be easier than biting people's necks. The audience would be like, ew, gross. And I'm like, what? You think it's better for them to assault somebody and bite their neck? I mean, it it was really, you know, fucking Bush League shit. But still, I did that and then would occasionally drop in. But you're right. Once I was 30, it was was like, okay, I'm going to start doing this regularly. But what made you do it? Uh, I realized that. So going back to the the, the theater, right? Yeah. So I did I do theater in high school, and I could emote, and I could chew scenery. And for kind of a small town like this, that's enough for the people to really shower praises on you. So it was like, I'm going to the city. I'm going to be the next Tom Cruise. I'll do a couple of years of theater school. I'm going to get like a- You already have the screen. Sit- uh, yeah. So I go down, and it was like Big Fish- Small pond up here. I go down there. Fucking big fish. Much, much, much bigger pond. Yeah. And these people are incredibly talented. And I took... I didn't really... I didn't audition. I was too afraid to audition. And then one year, I had this class called Beyond Naturalism. It was a theater class where you would be given a template for each scene, and you had to create like what the scenes were. And every time I would do it, I would just always get laughs. It, I would somehow make it funny for the class. And it was that was when I thought to myself, I just need to start writing my own material and then performing it. And I also realized, too, that 
I mean, I always respect good stand-up more than I respect good acting. Even though I love like Denzel Denzel Washington, I tell a lot of people I have many favorite actors. I have one favorite movie star, and that's Denzel. But I st- at the end of the day, I still will respect like good stand-up more than good acting. What's your favorite Denzel movie? Uh, my favorite Denzel movie is Crimson Tide by the late great Tony Scott. Denzel and Gene Hackman on a submarine, freaking amazing. I've never seen it. It's dude, that do yourself a favor, man. It's awesome. My favorite by far is Glory. Okay. I love Glory. We watched Glory it. is great. It's just it's it's such like heavy subject matter for oh, me yeah. that I like ones that I can kind of just I like the popcorn stuff. Yeah. Better. We watched Glory in 8th grade when mm-hmm. we were doing the Civil War. Fucking loved it. The I just remember the scene when he's being whipped yeah, and he starts he, crying and you're like, Jesus. Come down. Yeah. You're like, how does that work? Oh, God. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think the only other one, I haven't seen a ton of Denzel movies. I don't think. But Remember the Titans is up there for me. Oh, yeah. Um, but I don't, I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. He was on like. I think he was on like a not a soap opera. Uh Saint Ellsware was the name of the okay. show. Him and Howie Mandel. Yes. Yeah. Which going back though to respecting good stand up, I know I've told you this before. I was one of the few people that was lucky enough to see George Carlin live twice here in Binghamton at the forum. I think my sister went to that one of those shows. So I saw him, my my good friend Ryan Howard, who you met before, yeah. his mom got us tickets when I was a freshman in high school. To go see him do You Are All Diseased. That's the one where he kind of like predicts 9 of le- yeah, 9-11. Yeah. And to be that age and like like no alcohol, no drugs, and just laughing hysterically to the point of it being euphoric was an amazing experience. And then I saw him again my senior year of high school. Uh, my buddy Jeff and I got tickets, and that was right after 9-11 where he was – he was doing complaints and grievances. And I think Binghamton was probably the last stop before he went down to New York City and then recorded that special. Wow. So, yeah, just both times, too, completely sober. And just I, I understand when I hear certain people talk about, like, oh, I was alive. I saw the stones at all. And that's the way it was to me. Yeah. It was the first celebrity death, too, that I was legit sad about. Like, it ruined my day. When George you know, Carlin died, yeah, my two thousand eight man, yeah. yeah, my ex girlfriend sent me a message, an mm. email, or a text asking if I was okay, yeah, because that's how much Carlin meant to me. I mean, in a way, too, you you're like, oh, it would be great if he were around now, but at the same time, you're like, my memory and everything about him is pure, and it can stay untainted. So, you know, it didn't overstay his welcome at all. I think he was seventy one. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And just, you know, a uh, heart attack from all those years, man, of like abusing cocaine and stuff. It it catches up to you. Well, he had that one. He had already had a heart attack previous too. So. I forget the special, but he started it by keeping score between him and Pryor. Yeah. He's like, he got burnt. I chose heart attack. Yeah. He's incredible. And I always, mm-hmm. you know, I'll have jokes where I'm like, okay, well, this is a good one liner. Mm-hmm. I want to start my set with that. And that is directly because of Carlin. Yeah. And, you know, the the manner to which it's it's risky, you know, if it if it's a really ballsy one, I always think of Carlin. I get a do that. I get kind of possessive of him now because in the last couple of years with all the polarization and political turmoil, people love to share his political quotes. Yeah. 
I mean, which they're they're brilliant. Uh, some of them only gain more relevancy as the years go by. But I think people forget how freaking ridiculous he was. The goofy side of him. Yeah. You know, like universal moments you can do to keep people on their toes. Yeah. Like stuff like that is just so damn funny, like in its purest form. Where it's like, yeah, the, the politics and stuff, it is genius and it's great. But people forget like just the base, just goofy, goofy shit that he did. How do you know nonsensical when a mo- stuff? How do you know when a moth farts? It, it goes, goes in a straight, in a straight line. line. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's hilarious because you know he's, he's doing the hand motions of yeah. how a moth flies, and yeah, he because he had to be. He came up when he had to be clean to get on yeah. TV, like super. Or he'll just stand there and be like, sometimes I go like this for no reason, and then I stop. This has been one of those times. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I forget the exact words, but he goes. Uh, <clears throat> Let me see. I have most of his routines memorized. Let's see if I, if you get a couple of words and if I can finish. Well, well, there's one where mm-hmm. you know I always thought it was weird when people say, "Well, say it in your own words." Do you have your own words? Yeah. He goes. Uh, next time they say, "Say Nig Flock Blarney Quando Flu." Yeah, yeah, but that stuff is just so mm-hmm. uh, the blue foods. Like there are no blue yeah, foods. No blue you foods. Know, you can say blueberry, but fuck, they're purple. Mm-hmm. You know. No, he's just, he's fantastic. Was he the first comedian you got into? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I had, my parents did get me Bill Cosby records when I was a kid. We listened to Bill Cosby. But it was like the Fat Albert stuff. But the first time, like, seeing somebody perform it like that was, yes, it was 100%. Yeah, it was Carlin. Yeah, we Mm -hmm. listened to Bill Cosby and the car trips. Mm -hmm. And it was that, or my dad would play his trumpet mouthpiece. Uh huh. And we're like, we can't do two hours and fifteen minutes of this. Um, that was a big influence. And when I was uh, when I was a young kid, my my parents we went over to Toronto, and one night they decided to go to Yuck Yucks, the comedy club. Thank God we didn't sit in the front row, but we get there, and I definitely don't think mom and dad expected the comedians to be that raunchy. So it's the feeling of not only enjoying the laughter, but sitting there in that uncomfortable. Just atmosphere of mom and dad being offended and me with a smile. That it was so much fun. My mom hates stand-up. Really? Hates it. Which, you know, doesn't like me either. So it mm-hmm. worked out. But uh my dad enjoys it. I don't think I'd ever want to go see a comedian with them. Depends on who it is. You I don't know. know. I don't think it would be anybody. My okay. dad, I think, would love I don't know. Cause I don't it's been a long time since I saw Tim Allen's material. Okay, but we watched it's Home it's together. great shit, man. His special that that's a great special. You're talking about the one in like 90? yeah. I don't. That's another weird thing now that people tend to like discredit certain people because of their political beliefs. And I'm like, hey, man, he's he's still fucking funny. Well, I just I haven't you seen the stand up in a long time. It's great. The uh, I forget the name of the one where he has all the power tools behind him. Yeah, I think that's the one in 1990. Yeah, that was mm-hmm. fine. But I'm talking about today. Like, oh, today, if he did stand, I don't even know if he does. I don't think he does. But I like, don't think he does. <clears throat> I know they would love a Tim Allen back then. Oh, uh, OK. Today, I don't know, because my parents are very, are very democratic now. Yeah, yeah. like they. My mom said, <laughs> "Mine are too, which is funny because they're both registered Republicans. Actually, I, my whole family is registered. My Republicans. parents are registered Republicans until I think. <laughs> yeah. I think it would have been Obama's second term. My mm-hmm. dad voted. I think he voted against Obama the first time, mm-hmm. and then they went straight Democrat, and they'll never go back uh, because of Trump and everything. My but. dad pretty much stopped being a Republican during the Reagan years. He 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 was like, who is this freaking actor pretending to be president?' Yeah, the first time I voted, here's how much my uh-huh. mom didn't give a shit. 
The first time I voted for president was in 1992 because really? she brought me into the yeah, I mean I'm like a I'm 9. So she brought me in to vote with her. You sure you want to admit this oh, on I the podcast? Oh, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah and she's like pick a lover. You're she, the people Fox News talks about, Mike. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. But she said pick a lover. Mm-hmm. And she thinks I voted for Perot. <laughs> so I was dumb then too. So you helped elect Bill Clinton. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, that's why Clinton, like dude Perot had a huge influence in terms of getting bill clinton elected yeah because it was like nader in 2004 yep. who i Only actually a little, voted for a little bit uh bigger yes but, yeah but uh i mean <laughs> dana carvey we can all we can just blame dana carvey mm-hmm. he that's the most impressive thing mm-hmm. I, I think i've seen ever on snl you had dana carvey you had one person do impressions of all three candidates on the same show see now who's your who wh- what's your favorite snl cast uh, i would be easily with Farley and okay. Sandler, Chris Rock, Spade. See, the thing is, too, you were you were actually around during then. I I have a weird pet peeve of mine. Like they had um, Emma Stone was on Saturday Night Live recently, and they all wanted to do like tributes to their their favorite yeah. cast members. And she did Roseanne, Rosanna Dana, which of course is Gilda Ratner. Yeah. But I'm like, you weren't alive when that was on. It's like I understand your reverence for it but it's like like to me my cast is will ferrell jim brewer um molly shannon just because i remember those years of they were also living in the shadow of course the car data carvey and sandler and farley years so people didn't really take them i don't want to say i don't know if seriously is the right word but they weren't as like revered as those guys. So I enjoyed those seasons so much. And then of course, by the time you get towards my senior year of high school and graduating, like Will Ferrell becomes yeah. Will Ferrell. Well, I saw a lot of those SNLs mm-hmm. on Comedy Central. Like at like Me four too. o'clock. Yeah. So like I didn't I don't remember watching mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live live until probably man, I don't know, like college maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh maybe after that. Because I yeah. I think I missed all of Will Ferrell completely, okay. unless until it got onto the reruns. Yeah. I remember seeing a Will Ferrell sketch. I think, unless this was Mad TV, but Jim Carrey was on it. And that could have been Mad TV. Cause no, it, no, because I, I remember there's a specific sketch with like Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey is lifeguard of a yes, hot tub. That's the one. Is, and, that, <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah. And okay. he's like, no splashing. And it just... It's funny anytime one of the few times when Farrell is playing the straight man and somebody else is more wacky than him. Remember that Jim Carrey takes he's like lap time and he puts a lap lane over the hot tub. Yeah. Tim Meadows comes in, starts swimming laps. That's right. Yeah. No, I, I was a mm-hmm. I was an in living color fan. I like, was too. I watched Huge in living color, color. Yeah. Every Sunday night at like mm-hmm. nine o'clock. Yeah. So like that was mine. And and I just didn't I don't think at that time I Man, I remember seeing an old SNL when I was a really mm-hmm. little kid. Maybe, maybe Chevy Chase was on it. I mean, like, like it was. It would have been a, a rerun. See, we would watch it occasionally because you remember Snick. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Because okay. like Snick would end at ten, and then you had a that. couple of hours, yeah. and to you have like an hour and a half to kill, and then we would usually go into SNL. But at that time, too, a lot of those sketches. I wasn't interested in because they would go over my head. Like I'm, I don't give a shit about Weekend Update when I'm like a nine year old. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, and like which is sad because like we had Norm Macdonald. If we were present, yeah, it wasn't had, until those reruns yeah. that like when I really really appreciated it. Yeah, I, yeah. I got a buddy who 
every once mm-hmm. in a while I ask him, like he's like a an SNL historian. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, rank for me your weekend update anchors. Mm-hmm. And I believe Norm was number one. Yeah, he's my number one, followed closely by I think Dennis Miller was hilarious. Dennis Miller's. Yeah, I remember two for watching me. him a lot because he was with no. the he was in those Carvey years. What's funny too is a lot of times people will go, Oh, this season's terrible. It's not as good. I own the very first season of SNL, and you put it on, you're like, a lot of these sketches are borderline unwatchable. Well, that's what people don't people don't realize is on any given there's a lot of you just remember the hits, but there's a ton of fucking duds too. Yeah, and I would imagine. Okay, so I mm-hmm. I love Dana Carvey, yeah. and his Comedy Central presents or whatever it was called mm-hmm. from like 1993 or 92 Critics Choice or something like that. Yeah, it was fantastic back then. You watch it now, and it's like, oh, it doesn't hit. It hits hard with me, uh-huh. but like I showed Seth Ruddick and his girlfriend or his uh-huh. ex girlfriend. Now I showed him that, and I'm watching them. And it doesn't hit well with You can see, oh, when you're showing well, like, it, oh they're God. not reacting well, to it. Well, yeah. half of it is OJ material. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Jimmy Stewart and Hugh Grant and yeah. like, all these topical things. And I'm like, oh, but that's probably what it was for that SNL. Like, uh-huh. like they've always done kind of topical stuff. So yeah, yeah. if you're watching something in 1982, you don't know what the fuck happened in 1982. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, your dad was like, you know, 60 then and he yeah. was having a good time. But no, I, I just don't. I think that's part of was also if have you gone back and watched like Sanford and Son? Uh occasionally I'll catch like a rerun on like right. okay. you know I watched TV all Land. Of them. My brother-in-law and sister okay. got me that for Christmas. I watched all of them. It's a hard show to watch mm-hmm. now. Okay. Not because of the content or anything. I mean, some of the storylines they repeat. I think Lamont threatens to leave in like every season. Okay. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, we got it. You're not going. We all know mm-hmm. that. But the episodes are all 26 minutes long instead okay. of the 21 and a half, 22 minutes. So just by watching, I think they've got 75 episodes or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, do the math on that. You're you're adding hours to the life of that series. Yeah. So it just, your brain is wired to move on after 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. But you can't because that episode's still got four or five minutes to go. It's yeah. weird. And I think that that might be too. You watch Blazing Saddles, it's slower than, than you Robin remember. And Tights. Yeah, it is. You know, Robin Hood Men and Tights is my go-to Mel Brooks. I yeah. saw that was another thing saw at the right age where I was like, "This is hilarious." <laughs> but our our age, like that ninety three, ninety four, ninety five mm-hmm. run with when when Jim Carrey. I mean, you got a couple Mel Brooks movies, but you got Jim Carrey, Carrey yeah. and Adam Sandler. I mean, you had uh, Wayne's World. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tommy Boy. Like we were lucky. It's nowadays too, especially after the pandemic, we are losing the like. Um, the theatrical comedy, like yeah. the PG thirteen, or even hard R, like I remember seeing the four year old virgin in theaters and just collectively laughing my ass off with the rest of the audience. And I wonder if we're gonna get that back. I don't know. You know, I, I don't know. I think right now I, I, I I'm not the guy to ask. I don't even watch commercials, so I don't know what movies coming out. Mm-hmm. But. Is there anything but Marvel and Star Wars? Marvel, Star Wars, and because I'm a huge fan of the horror genre, yeah. horror because they're they're cheap to make and they get people in theaters. Yeah, I don't watch that. Horror. I still do like, but I think the collective experience of sitting in a theater with everybody and being scared is just akin to sitting in a theater with everybody and laughing your ass off. Yeah, I think the mm-hmm. last comedy I saw and really loved was The Hangover, the original one. Okay. So I'm just not a movie theater guy anymore. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a still a big theater guy, man. The last two movies I think I saw were 
Avengers Endgame and Captain Marvel. Okay. See, every year I like uh, I follow the Oscars. I watch every single nominee for oh Best God, Picture. Really? Yeah, I remember in high school, like senior year, I was like the only eighteen-year-old kid in a theater full of senior citizens watching Gosford Park because it was nominated for Best Picture. I've never heard of the movie. Oh, I would always. Find, it's a Robert Altman movie. It's not important. You can probably go the rest of your life without seeing it. But it just—I always followed the the Oscars race every single year because I was such a huge film nerd. Yeah, you know when up. when Happy Gilmore wasn't nominated, <laughs> that's when I quit. I mean, well, when Uncut Gems, which yeah, we're also getting into a larger issue of the Academy not recognizing comedy, which is such a shame because comedy is all about timing. I think you can fake being dramatic even if you don't have the chops, but if you're not funny and you don't have the timing, you, you no, it's not going to work. I do feel a little bit bad for Sandler. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a huge Sandler fan. I thought he was great in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, I love. I like Spanglish. I'm that mm-hmm. guy. And I just think he's a good actor. So when he was overlooked for Uncut Gems, I'm like, I, yeah, I'm I was like, so fuck, pissed. Man, he's, he's got nothing else. Like, this is his shot. Well, I remember this year uh, during the holiday season between Halloween and uh, Thanksgiving, I always watched the Adams Family movies. Yeah. And you watch them now, you're like, Christina Ricci fucking runs away with those movies. And she could have easily gotten supporting actress nominations, especially for Adams Family Values. Dude, she owns that whole movie. I. Yeah, I think I've seen the first Adam's Family. Mm-hmm. I think I remember the MC Hammer rap. Yes, me too. Yeah, but not really the movies. Like mm-hmm. I know there's Wednesday and oh, they're they're great to revisit, man. They really you know, are. The other names, another kind of movie that they don't really make anymore. That like you know PG thirteen, uh, like appealing comedy. My theory is that Home Improvement is the last sitcom that an entire family could watch mm-hmm. and not feel awkward. What about Everybody Loves Raymond? I don't know. I I, I watched that I with my that parents a lot. Kids. My parents really liked it. But I don't it. think that was for four kids. Well, you know what? You actually, you're right. Because Home Improvement had the kids on there, it's so the kids, kids who, could watch it. I mean, you're right. Raymond yeah. had three kids, but like the goal was not to focus on them. Exactly. Yeah. So like, No, I, you're right. You're you right. You can get, I mean, and I don't know, like Home Improvement, it was on, you know, TGIF. You know, was oh, no, 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 it wasn't was like TGIF. Tuesday. It was Tuesday. It was Tuesdays, but yeah. Like, I don't know. It, it just seemed like mm-hmm. it was for the entire family. Yeah, it was. And, yeah. you know, it, it, it had a full house turn uh-huh. where it's like, okay, well, we'll, you know, we've got this conflict, but we're going to resolve it at the end and mm-hmm. it might not be a hug. There might be a hug. But I can't imagine like going to my parents and like, okay, well, let's, let's all sit down and watch Everybody Loves Raymond and watch, watch a, uh, God, I forget her name now. Uh, the mom. What's her name? Not Deborah, but. Oh, the actress that played Not Deborah? the actress, the, the character name. Um, oh, uh, you mean the the mom on what, Home Improvement or whatever? No, you dick. Everett Lewis Raymond. Listen. Oh, that was, uh, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, Deborah was the name of the wife. Yeah, no shit. Who's the? Yeah, yeah. Raymond's mom. Oh, um, Marie. Thank you. <laughs> but I'm not gonna watch. It. Okay, remember, forget I forget I saw. I'm not gonna. We, we hit a speed bump there. Yes, we're good. We're I'm back. Not gonna, we're back. I'm not gonna sit down with my mom and mm-hmm. watch Marie unveil her vagina. You know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like her sculptures. Like I don't. Uh, you don't remember that one? Like, I, yes, I do. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, yeah. they're gonna make ball jokes on Home Improvement, but uh-huh. I'm not gonna get them. Okay. You yeah, know, it goes I, right I over. Definitely your head. know what a vagina is. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm a nine-year-old. We all know what vaginas are. Nine. I mean, I thought I did probably, <laughs> but didn't. You know. Yeah. Well, what TV shows did you did you like 
what what kind of uh formed your comedic brain? Uh, number one is just huge Simpsons. Okay. I mean, saw it the first time we watched it with my parents. I remember Bart Simpson saying, what the hell are you doing? And mom and dad being like, you can't watch this anymore, which only made me want to love it yeah. more. And then once they started to go into the, the, um, like syndication when they would have them at like seven 30, it's just, it's a huge influence on me. I didn't get into Seinfeld really until I was in my, my twenties. And living in New York, but it was all about The Simpsons for me uh, during the my like teenage years. Do you have a favorite episode? Um, my favorite episode. Most people usually say the monorail one, but uh, I like the I like a lot of the ones with involving like Homer's extended family. Yeah, like ones with his mom. Yeah, yeah, his mom. Actually, my favorite episode is when Bart uh, has to work at the brothel. That's a good one. Um, yeah. What What's the name of that one? I forget. It's like season six, maybe or eight. I've been watching Simpsons like when I go to bed, and but I'm Me jumping too. around. It's a good way to just throw it on and then fall asleep too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they've got a, a musical in that one too. So mm-hmm. I think the the Simpsons episodes that have music are just yeah. Like, see my vest is in my head all the uh-huh. time, and like, yeah, I I really like this vest. Yeah, I got that. Uh, you know, I just. It's just, it's almost a perfect show. Yeah. And yeah, it, it it, there are se- some seasons. I even still like, like the new ones. I still watch I, all I the watch new them ones. every Sunday. Yeah. You know, when they're on. And I think what, for I think it was last season, they were getting mm. a little bit nostalgic. Yeah, they and they're were. Because like, they did like a part two of the Camp Krusty. Mm-hmm. Like, here's here's what happened he, in uh, Springfield. Well, they were, I mean, they were probably still in Springfield. I mean, it's pretty big. But I was like, oh, yeah, that's a throwback. It's a, it's a thank you to the fans who have been watching for 30 years. Mm-hmm. It's a great show. I think I yeah. think if I were to write for one show, that would be the one. The I never would get the job. But, like, I would – that seems like, like Conan really, O'Brien. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, Conan's got a – there's a show opening because he stepped down. So What do you think he's going to do now? Anything he wants. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna. I think he's gonna do an HBO uh, show. Oh, so yeah. He'll, he'll probably do like a once a week thing. That would be good. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, uh, I mean, have you have you seen John Oliver's show? Yeah, I love John Oliver. Yeah. Imagine the budget they have and yeah. give that to Conan. Too. Conan, oh, he yeah. can do great things I mean, with he, that. I mean, you, how many masturbating bears can he get on one set? Uh, either that or just get one huge one. Ooh, that's that's a question. Would mm-hmm. you rather have a hundred masturbating bears? Or one masturbating bear who's the size of a hundred. Uh, that's what I would do. I would go with yeah. the one masturbating that's the size I of a hundred. Ma- I mean, you're gonna have a mess either way. I feel like too many of them gets a little bit redundant. Just get you know, get the one big one. Yeah, gonna do it. Plus, do you it can't big. watch them all. Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to take your eye off of a masturbating bear, too. I mean, I have a couple of you know credos that I live by in life, and that's one of them. I think. Yeah. Hundred percent. Think about it a lot. Yep. <laughs> I ask everybody this, but do you remember your worst set, your worst show you've ever done? I Yes, I do. Um, within, I think it was in the second year of doing comedy really seriously, I invited a bunch of residents to one of my bringer shows at Dangerfield. And I did it for um, this one promoter. I don't want to say his name, but he, <laughs> he's, he would do these like three hour like marathons and he had to bring like six to 10 people. Yeah. So... We're we're approaching. Uh, let's see. It started at seven, and we're approaching ten o'clock. The audience has been there for three hours. All the headliners have gone up. In fact, Dante Nero went up like two people before me, 
and the waitresses are coming around with their checks. So nobody gave a shit about what I had to say up there. And I had residents from my building there and just, I mean, you can call it a bomb, but it's just, the audience was just straight up disinterested. Yeah. It's not even like they were hearing my jokes and they weren't landing. They just didn't give a fuck. They wanted to pay and get the hell out of there. That's awful. (laughs) So yeah, that was, uh, when Dangerfields closed, I was kind of like, eh, good riddance. It was such a weird old fashioned club anyway. You're like, this isn't really conducive to modern stand up. You walk in and you expect to see like the rat pack in a booth, but compared to the modern clubs now, which are so much more like accompanying with the, the audience and everything, more friendly, I should say, it's Dangerfields had its day and it was, it was when it went down, it, 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 it was the time. It was the right time for it. Was it worth the experience just to get in that club? Hundred percent. It was, and not only that too. It's after I did it, you'd go back and you know, you know, rewrite your jokes and stuff. And the worst though is a couple of residents I invited. Then the next day I see him, and the guy's trying to give me advice about how to do comedy. I'm like, fuck you, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Like seriously, man. (laughs) What advice would you give anybody? Like, okay, so you come up to upstate New York mm-hmm. and somebody comes up to you, let's say Seth or whatever. Yeah. And he says, okay, well I want to move to New York. What advice would you give a comedian who's working outside of New York to get ready to get into New York? Uh, I would say just get ready to do a lot of rooms with maybe five or six comedians staring at you and not laughing because they're like, I don't really like that premise and get ready to have a lot of those. That was when I went down there and did open mics. I mean, it would have been years mm-hmm. ago, five years ago, maybe. And I went down there and I was so used to like, you know, doing an open mic up here mm-hmm. and all the comedians and they're, you know, every once in a while we'll have an audience, uh, but they're watching and then I get done and then I will stay in the room and watch everybody finish. Like it's a courtesy. Oh, a lot of them so, fucking leave. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was like, I was shocked. So I'm at like New York comedy club. And I do a set. And now I am blinded because, oh, wow. Now I'm used to like one. Is this the Midtown location or the? Okay. I think so. It's uh, I forget the street anymore. But I'm used to like this one dull bulb at Mm -hmm. Maddie B's in Binghamton. And I go to New York Comedy Club and I can't see anything because they have proper stage lights. And I'm talking. I'm doing like not crowd work, but like I'm addressing the crowd. Okay. But I might just be addressing chairs. Yes. And so like. I get off and I'm like, oh my God, there there are five people here. Because I went later on the list. I'm like, ah. That's probably pretty good. Yeah. But the entire time I'm waiting, somebody does their set and she leaves. And he has to go to an audition. She's got to go to an audition. Mm -hmm. They're going to open mics. I ran into these people in a busy New York City street going to another mic. And I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah. But that still hurts. I mean, also, too, for every, you know, four of those mics that I just described, you have one mic where maybe you get a bunch of audience that right. comes in, like what happens at Eastville a lot because it's right off Atlantic Avenue near the Barclays Center, and it says comedy out front. So when we they have their open mics on Saturday at 5.30 and Sunday at 6.30, a lot of times we get audience that comes in because it's cheaper than going to see headline comedy, and you get a show, and it's a great show. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's why I do this. Because that's another thing, too, uh, advice I would give to people is when you're you have to remember that you're you really aren't doing comedy for other comedians. You're doing it for an audience. 
So if you have some of those people that don't like your stuff, what a, it's subjective. That's another thing, too, I would tell people is if I see your set and I'm not into it just because it's not funny to me doesn't mean that it's not funny to somebody else. The highest selling comedian in the country for like four years straight was Jeff Dunham. And I have never laughed at anything he has said, but it just goes to show you it's it's subjective. And if somebody's not digging your stuff, doesn't mean that somebody else may not find it hilarious. I know when I'm watching no. a comedian, I'm in an audience on an open mic or mm-hmm. a show. I'm not a great laugher. When I watch The Simpsons with a buddy, yeah, I'll laugh. Mm-hmm. But when I hear somebody tell a joke on stage, I'm generally trying to figure out how he or she got to that. Yeah. It's like, more oh, of like, like in, the science. when you're a comic, a lot of people, it's more of an acknowledgement that it's funny than it is a reaction. I'm still a big laugher if I think something's funny. I got a loud infectious laugh. I laugh more. It was funny because I didn't host the open mic last night. Yep. yep. And I, I didn't host last two weeks. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that when I don't host, I laugh less. Oh, okay. Because it's a host job to keep it going. Yeah. And, you want to keep I, the, you have to keep the energy up. Even if a joke sucks I might laugh. I might be the only one who laughs because I also I know what it's like to not get a joke. To laugh. I keep telling people too, hosting is almost a different beast than doing stand up just in terms of keeping the energy up for the crowd. We did we we did an open mic at the Brooklyn Music Kitchen uh, last week because they they wanted to do a show and we didn't have time to promote it. So I hosted my very first one and it just between remembering everybody's names in between also to like don't talk a lot if you're hosting in between yeah. people's sets just a one liner here and then the next it, it's such a different you know almost like a i don't want to say different sport i'm running out of metaphors here but it's different than just doing your regular set well i mean the show can't be about you no it can't your job is to keep the energy up Maybe if somebody has like if there's an awkward moment with a comic where they did some off color humor and it offended the audience, you got to get up there and break the ice a little bit, change the tone up. It's you're really you're managing like everything. You're managing the mood of the whole show. One of my favorite things to do, and it doesn't happen Mm -hmm. very often because I host so many shows, but one of my favorite things to ever do is when I follow a black comedian who's using the N word. I like to get on there, like lay interest my name, like ah, that guy stole my jokes. <laughs> yeah, my jokes. always that's a and good I, diffuse. It, it always gets a pop. Like I, I think I've done it three times, so mm-hmm. whatever. It's cliche for me now, but it's I a great love way to that. diffuse the room. Yeah, because yeah. it's like okay, well, like I am a different. I say the n word very few times. So, like <laughs> some would say never, um, but like yeah. some, huh? Some, yeah. Some, some, yeah. Some. I, 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 I'm careful. About who I did it around. I mean, I only say it when I'm coming. No, I'm just... <laughs> now that's... Are you Hulk Hogan? Oh, yeah, I forgot. He I still haven't that. watched that sex tape. Part of me wants I don't it. want it. I don't need to see that, Ben. I, don't I know, really man. don't need to see that. He's been talking about those 24-inch pythons for a while. Maybe that's one of them. I doubt it. I, I, I'd imagine compared to the rest of them, you're probably going to be pretty disappointed. I doubt his dick is 24... Yeah. Mm-hmm. No shit. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know, because I think he is six foot six. Well, he was originally, when he started out, he was six foot eight, but all the years of wrestling and stuff has damaged his spine, and he's he's now like six six. There's a great Rolling Stone article about him, about like all the pain and shit that the guy's in. Did you ever watch wrestling as a kid? Oh, of course, 100%. I, that's also another big influence 
uh, on me. Like the ones that were really funny. Like I, I remember laughing hysterically at uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Loved him. And I was also, you know, who was a funny, funny commentator was Bobby the Brain Heenan. Yeah, he was great. I mean, he was so fucking funny. And that was also a big influence on me. I think I watched wrestling up until I stopped after the Attitude Era ended. Because I, I was like a senior when Stone Cold yeah. and The Rock. And I think once The Rock turned good, I, that was when I was done. I stopped right before the Attitude Era. Okay. Yeah. So people made fun of me because I was mm-hmm. watching it into fifth and sixth grade. And they're like, oh, yeah, that, that's that's fake and, yeah. and whatever. And probably called me gay, whatever. Uh, so I'm like, fine, I won't watch it anymore. And then it got popular like the next year or two. Yeah. And they're like, oh, why aren't you watching? I'm like, because you told me not to. Well, there was this thing. I got out of it a little bit because a lot of the big WWE stars went to WCW. And then, you know, in my senior year, I'm like, oh, my God, dude, like Stone Cold came along. You're like, these guys are swearing and chugging beers. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So you were watching it more for that than the actual wrestling. No, I mean, I'll go back and watch. Like, I love the older stuff. I've got Peacock. Uh-huh. I, I watch the network on there. Okay. And I, but I, my cap is like 97, where I'm like, all right, okay. I've gone too far. I don't know the people anymore. Or I don't care about it. But I'll watch like the, the 80s stuff and the, the early 90s all day. I don't, I don't really care. Now, I, I recently, my buddy, uh, really hilarious comic, Brock Savage, he's down in Atlanta right now, huge wrestling fan. And I watched Survivor Series with them it was last year and it's so kind of sanitized now they're not allowed to cut themselves anymore and everything it's very very family friendly i think like i i've seen wrestling today yeah i think they're just in too good a shape for my liking like (laughs) i want king kong bundy they're like the jake the snake roberts where they're pretty much just a big alcoholic yeah Yeah. like i want Uh king kong bundy and bam bam bigelow and Mm -hmm. And all these it's nowadays it's guys. like they all look like the ultimate warrior. But I remember when the warrior came along, he was it, it was rare for a guy to be that sculpted yeah. in wrestling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll like like I said, I, I go back and I'll watch like Hercules Hernandez mm-hmm. in like nineteen eighty six and he's got like eleven ribs. Yeah. Not, not eleven ribs, but eleven abs. Okay. It'd be funny. Uh, maybe I think we do have eleven ribs on each side, right? I I don't want to give an answer because I'm going to be embarrassed if I don't know that. Well, you didn't but know I totally Marie don't. for a little while. Like, yeah. so, I mean, I didn't either. But uh-huh. no, I, but I, they, they were definitely, some of them were cut, mm-hmm. but you didn't need to be. No, you didn't have you to know, be. You yeah. had Ravishing Rick Rude, who was. Uh huh. He needed yeah. to be. <laughs> I mean, he had to fit into his name. Yeah. But no, I, I just, it, it was different. Yes. And I didn't feel as insecure. Maybe if I had, had been eating better the last 25 years, I'd be okay with the wrestlers today. Yeah, you're enjoying life. You know what I mean? Well, if I didn't have some douchebag giving me Taco Bell gift card. Oh, okay. You know, yeah. I, I like how I'm going to blame you for all the Taco well, Bell Well, you know what? Next time, it's going to be Whole Foods, okay? Fuck that. That's- <laughs> what am I going to get? $25 at Whole Foods. What am I going to get? Like a, a bag of peanuts? I Maybe like a cucumber. Oh, fuck that. Well, I know what. Maybe that's what I'll do with it. I'll okay. fuck that cucumber. All right, so you can get a cucumber and then a thing of butter. No, I don't need the butter. Okay, I'm, I'm an adult. All right, I'll I'll take it. So what? What are better your, man than me? <laughs> well, that's debatable. So what are your comedy goals? I mean, what what's next for you? My my comedy goal right now we're just um the my my two partners Rehad Carroll and Joe Rosenzweig, the three of us form what they call Mayhem Comedy Inc, and we're gonna keep doing the shows at Brooklyn Music Kitchen, and we want to start. 
expanding and we want to start doing some open mics in Manhattan. So we're hoping eventually to to have that because right now, I'm sure you know, when we first start out doing the show, all the money that you make goes right back into the oh, show. Yeah. So we're hoping to be able to get like a supplemental income from it. And I said to myself, it was last year that by the age of 50, if I could have released one comedy album, doesn't even matter if anyone listens to it, but just the fact that I released it, I will just have considered that a success. And that's that that that's my goal. I don't know. I, I've told this on the podcast before, mm-hmm. but do you have a name picked out for an album? Do you have anything Ooh, like that? Yeah, I have like, a couple of ones uh, floating around. Yeah. I want to make sure that it's a clever name too, and not something that's controversial for controversial s- right controversy's sake. The one album I would like to do, I would have to license license it from the Onion. There's an Onion T-shirt uh, that says, "Is your cat old enough to learn about Jesus?" <laughs> and I would that I would think would be an amazing title for a stand-up special. And I wondered if I reached out to. I mean, because. People, I'm sure people would see that and be like, oh, you stole that from the onion. But it's like if I talk to them and they would allow me to use that, I wonder if that would be okay. It's so like esoteric and just just a weird non sequitur. And it's also kind of slightly offensive toward religious people, which is what's funny, too, because I think they're offended by it, but they don't really know why. Right. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I would, I've got three cats. I would much much rather pray to my cats than I would yeah. to Jesus. You know? I mean, I think your cats are old enough to talk about Jesus. Yeah, they're four and three. Yeah, that's the right age for yeah. felines to learn about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I mean, I, I think uh, I'll talk to them tonight. About yeah. I mean, you know, get them some pamphlets. <laughs> we got nothing else to do. Why yeah. not? We'll go get Taco Bell mm-hmm. and I'll eat the nachos. They can lick the cheese off the plate because I'm good. I'm a good guy. And then we'll talk about you Jesus. Let him, you let them lick the, the Taco Bell nacho cheese? Yeah, after I don't know if it's good for him. Oh, uh, like, okay. Yeah, after I'm done. I, I mean, I put, I'm sure they enjoy it. I put the yeah, it's it's Mac up there. He mm-hmm. yeah, my Russian blue. He he will wait until like he's a scavenger. Mm-hmm. So I'll finish anything I'm eating, like a bowl of soup or something like that. Yeah. I'll put the bowl down there. He'll look at it. Maybe he'll lick it, and uh, yeah, he'll go on his way. But the Taco Bell stuff, he cleans the plates. Nice, you know. But I'm not yeah. giving him like a burrito to eat. I don't no, buy, no, I don't no, buy a no. cat a burrito. Yeah. But he will definitely lick the remnants of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Why do you look at me? Why are you, you spoil them, man? Oh you yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, it's no different than us giving like our dog people food. Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just mm-hmm. like I, these cats just might not eat it at all. I yeah, know the dogs will eat everything. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, I <laughs> now that I'm getting these judgmental eyes, uh, I, I think I'm just kind of like processing it a little bit. Like, what did I get myself into? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, makes sense. But, dude, I appreciate uh, – I mean, how can people follow along with you on social media? Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, just Matthew Snover, Matthew spelled with one T. I know it's a little ridiculous, but when I first signed up for Facebook back in like the uh, – during the Bush administration, I was like, I'm going to spell my name with one T instead of two. So maybe if people I don't want following me can't follow me. <laughs> and it still just stayed. So it's just Matthew Snover on Facebook and then uh, Matthew Snover on Instagram. So your parents named you the right way. Yeah. So I've known you for a couple of years. I've hated mm-hmm. your parents for that. So really? I, I feel like, you're I like owe them. Who are these assholes that named their son Matthew but spelled it with one T? Yeah. Well, thank God, like yeah. Facebook will like uh, kind of mm-hmm. complete 
the the writing it'll like, yeah. like hyperlink it but like yeah i'm like how i gotta remember that it, oh it's one t it's one t i'm uh, i'm not on twitter yet because i uh i mean i get drunk and i send you as you know yes. i send people youtube videos yeah. late at night so i i don't know what i want i would tweet to the world at like 3 a.m i've stopped night. opening i them. don't trust myself like like i when i messaged you a couple yeah. days ago i was like oh shit there are two youtube clips i uh-huh. know i didn't look at because yeah they're at like 2 30 in the morning uh-huh. and yeah. even if i'm up i'm like no <laughs> you're like <laughs> i don't need to look at this fallout boy video right now at 3 a.m yeah like i've probably yeah. seen it before anyway but i'm but like yeah okay twitter maybe i should get out but to me twitter just seems like a way to ruin no all it, your future job no, prospects it, if you're if you've got a penchant for late night drunken texting, Twitter's not, Twitter's not, not for you. For no. you. Exactly. Now, you, you've made it this long. I say go for the record. I mean, the, keep the Instagram. Keep the. I mean, some people are saying get on TikTok, but I'll wait until the next thing that comes out that freaking replaces TikTok. Because TikTok just replaced. Vine was before that. Yeah. Then it's TikTok. And next it's going to be like OpZed or whatever the fuck it is. <laughs> I think we yeah. just got to watch Futurama. Yeah, and just take our cues from that, you mm-hmm. know, because they probably got it. I mean, it's in it's in year three thousand. Yes, exactly. I I Futurama man is the one show that I just I would watch a couple episodes. I watched it in its original run, but it just it just doesn't do it for me. There are some episodes where you got to watch, mm-hmm. and it, yeah. it's a it's a really really good show. Yeah, uh, Simpsons is better, I think. I mean, it's with stuff like. Even like Simpsons or The Family Guy, I can just kind of passively sit back and let the jokes just kind of yeah. roll to me. Where that one, I'm like, oh, I really got to pay attention to plot and stuff like that. It's good, though. It, it's worth it. It is a great show. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I initi- followed it in its initial run. Mm-hmm. Well, dude, I appreciate you doing this. And uh, uh, This was great, man. Yeah. I, uh, I I had a lot of fun, man. Yeah, now get the hell out of my house. Is that? I'm taking one of the cats with me. Fuck you. Wings off inside. Some peeling back my sunburnt skin. I'll wait outside your bedroom. I, I hope they let me in.